Hello, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. This week, we're answering a query, an email, in fact, from a listener. And she says, hi, she asked me not to mention her name, so I won't. I work with clients both directly and as an associate trainer. I love the agency with whom I work, but I think that their rates are just a tiny bit low. I think I accepted a rate that's lower than market rate due to lack of experience. And now it's hard to renegotiate it up again. How about a podcast on step-by-step how to structure your negotiation, or rather your rates in negotiation, how to demonstrate your value, and non-monetary negotiation points, etc. No problem, that's what today's episode's all about. This is episode 32 of the podcast. Thanks for stopping by. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett Hayes. Hey, thanks again for your time this week. Welcome to the show. This is the podcast for training business owners around the world. If you're a regular listener, you know I begin each episode every week with the same thing. Uh, This is aimed at you as a training business owner, helping you to start to grow and to scale your training business. So each week we have either a guest on the show or we have one of these, which is a solo episode. And in the solo episodes, I talk to you one-to-one. And often it's in response to your emails. And two weeks ago, I think, uh, thereabouts, I received an email about pricing and the listener asked not to be named. So um, your first initial is you. If you're listening, you know I'm talking to you. But I'm also talking to you, the wider audience out there in the training business community. So let's take the first part of your question. I like to think of myself as being direct. So let's be direct. In answer to your question or your comment about the fact that you think your rate is now low, um, it sounds to me like that could well be the case. And it is, to be honest with you, very hard to renegotiate upwards once you have accepted a low rate. So if you do decide to renegotiate your price, be it with a client or with an agency, if you're working as a trainer on behalf of another provider, there are three questions you may want to ask yourself. One, am I willing to work harder to get that extra money? In other words, what am I willing to trade or concede? If the agency, as you call them in this case, uh, are clever, they will, of course, say no, or they may say yes, but if they do say yes, they will extract concessions from you. And this is really something which addresses one of the rules of negotiation, which is never give anything away for free. Everything is tradable. Know what your tradables are and always ask for something in response for a request from you. So if someone asks you for something, you ask for something back. Why? It's psychology. You're setting the frame for negotiation. If someone asks something of you, you're letting them know that anything you give away or concede or offer has a price. Does does that make sense? So the first question is, what 
Am I willing to trade or concede? Am I willing to work harder to get that extra money? Number two, will asking for an increase affect how I'm perceived by that client, that agency? Will it affect the relationship? Does it make me look ungrateful, unprofessional, unprepared? Because, well, it actually might. You may wish you hadn't asked. And question three is, what will I do differently next time? And this is the most important question to ask yourself at this stage. You, I'm talking to you, the person whose name begins with the letter U, um, you might be better to leave this deal or negotiation is done and simply hunt to replace this client with a new client at the price that you want. So you might end up booking training days with agency B, let's call them that, who pay you more at the price you want. And at some point, you could revisit the deal that you have with agency A and simply explain that agency B is paying you more, client B is paying you more, and you want to work or continue to work with agency A. So what can they do to match the value that you're currently adding with agency A? Does that make sense? That's a different conversation entirely. So if you're asking yourself these questions, you probably have arrived at the answer you're looking for. One, am I willing to work harder to get that extra money? Two, will asking for that increase affect negatively how I'm perceived by the agency, by the client? And three, what will I do differently next time? And this is the most important question to ask yourself, particularly if you feel that a negotiation has not worked in your favor or that the current deal you have is not working in your favor. It's the lesson you take away from a failed negotiation or a poor deal. That's what you want. It's much more, I suppose, enlightened to carry that lesson forward to do it better next time rather than uh, ruminate, I think is the word, on what you didn't do this time. So back to your email again. You asked about structuring a negotiation. That's part of your question. I don't approach a negotiation with a structure, and I'll tell you why. To my mind, negotiation is a conversation. It's fluid. It goes back and forth. So I prefer to approach negotiation as part of a larger value conversation or framework where I understand and communicate value at different stages because, you see, the whole framework is a value conversation and negotiation, if it ever comes to that, it may not, is only one stage of that conversation. And the truth be told, the more successful I am and you are in the first stages, which we'll come to, the less of a sticking point price will be when it comes to decision time. Does that make sense? And another thought before I come to the main content of today's episode is that I have been where you are. I screw up all the time. Everyone screws up. It's how you bounce back that counts. It's the lesson that you take from that screw-up and carry that forward that counts. And I even screwed up recently, and I've been kicking myself about that in the last two weeks. Um, So your email actually came at a very good time. So I asked myself in preparing for this episode, what advice would I give myself on this before I give anyone else some training business coaching on this podcast. And this is the basis for today's episode. In fact, it's the basis for next week's episode as well. There are two parts to this. So 
episode 32 today is part one, and episode 33 next Thursday is part two. So today and next week, we're going to answer the second part of your question, which is about demonstrating value and non-monetary negotiation points. So in a way, um, think of it like today. today's program is brought to you by the letter P, uh, a bit like Sesame Street. I'm not sure if you're a fan of Sesame Street from PBS Broadcasting, but I was raised on that. And I was always um, reminded of how each episode was brought to you by a particular letter to help people to um, maybe learn the alphabet. So today's letter is P. Everything I'm going to talk about today begins with the letter P. And today we'll focus on three Ps, positive, perspective, and preparation. And next week's episode, we'll focus on the next three Ps, price, perception, and package. Okay, so let's get down to the first one first. And the first one is positive. And as part of your email, um, you wrote to me and saying, I don't want everyone to know I'm a sucker on pricing. That's, that's exactly verbatim from your email. Well, let me answer that question or that statement. You are not a sucker on pricing, okay? It is human to to make mistakes, to learn. So think of this as an approach, a mental approach to anything which is difficult. Imagine you have a daughter. I'm not saying you do, or or a son, or a nephew, or a niece. You wouldn't say to them, okay, Lucy, okay, Lucy, you want to learn how to cycle. You've got no sense of balance, but let's see if you can make it to the end of the road without falling off. Would you say that? Of course you wouldn't. It's, It's negative. It sounds... Uh, almost offensive, it sounds like you've got no belief in that person. Equally, you wouldn't hire a new employee and say, hey, welcome to the team gym. You're probably not any good at this, but let's see what happens today. No, you wouldn't say that. Of course not. So you have to be conscious of the language that you use to yourself when you are describing your abilities in a particular area. In this instance, negotiation. Because your language creates expectations mentally. And this can create this thing called fear. I've said before, I'll say it again, fear is an acronym. It stands for false expectations appearing real, F-E-A-R. So the language that you use to describe yourself as a sucker on pricing is having an effect on your belief about your ability to negotiate pricing. It makes sense. So here's how I want you to tackle this. Two things. Number one, write down your beliefs, write down your beliefs as they are right now. So you also said, I quote, I'm not sure how to do this, so I'd better not try in case I make things worse. Well, when does not knowing something ever stop you from doing things, from learning things, from trying things? So I really want you to question these beliefs. And if you do, you will either find no basis for that belief or the belief is not as bad as you think it is. So one of the things that the human mind does is called lensing. It's like placing something under a microscope and the magnification of that lens makes it appear bigger, larger, more bold than it really is. In plain English, you are making a mountain out of a molehill. 
So is something really as bad as you're telling yourself? Where is the basis for this belief that you don't know how to do this, that you've never done it properly before? Is this true? Because it's easy to beat yourself up and to lose the lesson. If you lose the lesson, you are effectively creating false associations in your mind. You're creating false programs. And bit by bit, these false programs build up and they have an effect on your self-belief. So I want you to take an inventory of these false beliefs, these false programs, and to question them, to shake the legs from underneath them. Is this really logical? Is there a basis for this belief or is it just silly? Okay, Um, as the second part of this, I want you then to delete those programs by replacing them with positive affirmations. And my challenge to you today is to come up with five things which are positive. So for example, I would say to myself, I'm always interested in the other person's position. And I also then envision myself like a mental video asking great questions of my client. And I can see them in my mind in this video answering those questions freely and truthfully. So I'm playing that video in my mind, replacing that false belief with this program so that that belief is replaced with something positive. I might say to myself, I'm always prepared with just enough information to get the result I need. And then along with that belief, I would play a video in my mind where I can see myself doing the work, gathering information, all that data and writing it down. Does that make sense? So find out what those beliefs are, question them, and then delete them and replace them with something positive along the lines of I am always doing or I always have, I'm always prepared, I'm always ready, I'm always asking, I always know what I want. Have those statements and rehearse them mentally, okay? You've got to believe in yourself. I am worth my daily rate X or our program rate. My training business charges these rates because, and we are worth it because. So when you affirm these things, they will come out of your mouth naturally and comfortably with a smile when it comes down to a negotiation. On the other hand, if you're telling yourself, I'm not worth $2,000 a day or £2,000 a day or whatever that price may be, how can you expect to sound like you do in a negotiation? Your most successful deal-making happens when you feel good about yourself. Isn't that right? Think of the things in your past where you were successful. It's when you were at your most, uh, shall we say, stride in self-belief, when your confidence was top on at the highest level, that you typically got the things that you wanted. If people pick up on you that you don't believe in yourself, well, it has an effect. And then ask yourself, what would you have to believe to do it again? Okay? So that's the first P today, positive. Always have an optimistic, positive belief system. Find out what negative associations you may have. Question them and replace them repeatedly. Okay, moving on to the second P today, and that is the word perspective. Now, I have never been invited to a negotiation in my life. Have you ever received a calendar invitation entitled Negotiation 3rd of June, or an email where someone says to you, hey, um, I'm looking forward to negotiating with you over a cup of coffee next week. Have you? No, because people invariably don't talk specifically or explicitly about negotiation. Why? A couple of reasons. Number one, negotiation is part of something larger. A meeting may involve negotiation. An interview 
may involve negotiation. Hiring may involve negotiation. And relationships you have with people involve negotiation. And the reason we don't label things explicitly as negotiation is because negotiation is part of everything we do. Um, it's how we get what we want. It's how we give away some things and get others. Um, it's assumed that negotiation is part of hiring someone or getting onboarded in a company or being brought in to deliver something or selling something. Negotiation is part of a larger picture. So you really have to understand the larger picture before we focus on negotiation as a stage of that larger picture. And the second reason that people typically do not label things explicitly as negotiation is because sometimes it sounds adversarial. It has a negative association. Negotiation, to my mind, just thinking out loud here, it sounds legal. It suggests a power struggle. And there are multiple reasons why negotiation, to call it that, will fail. One, people focus on their position. Uh, so the negotiation, the word negotiation conjures up position. What do I want? And what am I going to get? And I better get this thing or I'm going to lose or I will win and that person will lose. So it's adversarial. There's no interest or attempt to understand the other's perspective. And the second thing is that often perspective is all wrong and your perspective is key. In negotiation theory, and you can find many great negotiation programs online from Coursera, uh, one of many websites out there offering courses on things like negotiation, negotiation theory addresses two things. And there are two ways of looking at this. Uh, you have what's called integrative negotiation or distributive negotiation. Now, without being scientific, I deliver courses on negotiation, so this is why I'm talking about this. But Integrative uh, negotiation is different from distributive negotiation. Let's keep this very simple. If we approach anything between humans as distributive negotiation, the mindset tends to be, there's only so much I can negotiate here. You have all the power, or I have all the power. You're going to walk all over me, or I'm going to walk all over you and get what I want. Your rates are fixed. Uh, there's no wriggle room here. I'm not going to give an inch. There's nothing I can do to add value. So I'm not even going to ask for more. Do you get the idea? It sounds very, well, black and white, and it has a negative connotation. But integrative negotiation focuses not on people's position, but on people's interests. So we find it much easier to come up with a win-win if we find solutions creatively. We focus on things that perhaps we've not thought of yet, or the client or the person we're negotiating with has not thought of yet. Um, so we focus on the, the larger picture. What could we come up with that's a win-win as opposed to a win-lose or lose-win? Sometimes in the course of a discussion or a value conversation, you might realize, hey, there's something we haven't thought of. Let, let's explore this. So if your position is, is what we call distributive, you'll view negotiation as something to be tense in, something to be avoided, something to be feared. Whereas if your view is integrative, it's constructive, it's creative, it's collaborative. Let's come up with something that we haven't perhaps thought of yet. Um, but here's the thing. If you can't, so what? Let yourself off the hook. 
in negotiation or in some kind of value conversation, if you feel under pressure, it's okay to take time out and come back with ready, uh, come back when you're ready. Um, so you might say something like, you know, I've got some ideas, but I haven't quite clarified them in my mind yet. Let me give this some thought and come back to you. Is that okay? So think of it this way. This is why perspective is so important. Negotiation is a game. It's not a courtroom battle. It's not mediation. It's a solution or value-focused conversation. So if your mindset is that it is a lose-win or a win-lose, I'm going to win, they're going to lose, I'm going to get what I want, uh, no matter what they say, it, it tends to be distributive. It tends to be adversarial focused on positions as opposed to interest. So think of any conversation, if you want to call it negotiation, you can do that, as a chance to be creative, to stretch the boundaries. So you could say, you know, I was just thinking, I've done this for client before, or client X before, and they love the results. Here's how that could work. Or I have an idea, how about we do this? Um, Because negotiation is a game, it's not life or death. Um, very seldom has anyone ever said to me, take it or leave it. I've never had anyone say that to me. Perhaps have they, perhaps they've said that to you, but I would be surprised because it's a game. No one's going to fire you for asking or suggesting you're not an employee. Um, she who cares least wins is something I've been told before. I like that. If you go in with a kind of a, a life or death, winner takes all, loser takes nothing mentality, uh, you're going to find yourself in a negotiation like that very quickly. So have a healthy perspective on negotiation. It's okay to negotiate. It's okay to ask for things. It's okay to trade things. It's okay to give things away. It's okay to play the game. People expect to have to negotiate all over the world and they admire it in you. Just make sure you've given some thought to what you can offer and why it's of value to the person you're negotiating with or having that value conversation with because everything is negotiable. Even when it doesn't appear that way, your perspective is key. You'll either think zero-sum game or you'll think there's a win-win here, okay? So I know I'm talking about the psychology to some degree, but that's really important. Your perspective is going to set you up for success. If you view it as a game, you'll play it If you view it as something to be feared, you will avoid it or not succeed in doing so. The third P today is preparation. And this is really important, needless to say. Knowledge is power, but you can't know everything. And this is something that people have said to me before. But what if? But what if? But what if? What if I don't know? What if I don't have? What if I can't find out? It's okay not to know everything. You don't have to. But that should never be the basis to not be willing to have that trading or negotiation or value conversation. There are really four questions to ask or to be prepared to answer when you're preparing for any kind of questions or discussion or value conversation around things like price. And those four things are this. Number one, what do I want? Number two, why do I want it? The key word there being why. Number three, what does the other party want? And number four, why does the other party, the other person in the negotiation want that? 
It's very simple, isn't it? It's simple, but yet so many people don't do this. It's really important to find out what you want, and I'll come to those individually in a moment, and clarify why do you want that thing, what does the other party want, and why do they want it. Now, I know uh, research can reveal a dozen things going on in a negotiation. You know, research could tell you that actually this is the going rate in the marketplace for my training program, for my skill set. You might ask, you know, how many other training providers can do what I do or how much is the the end client paying the people who are hiring me? But, But these are all difficult questions to answer absolutely with certainty. Sometimes it's okay just to ask these, you know, straight out. I don't know what my, my price is in the marketplace, how much you're paying other people, you know, but sometimes people may take offense. Um, some may not. Uh, but I would, I would take a risk and ask something sometimes if you don't know the answer, if you think that answer will help you to craft or to build a good position or, or starting point in your negotiation. But let's look at the first four things I mentioned. What do I want? So you may say to yourself, I want to charge $3,500 a day or 2,700 euros or whatever that may be. You may say to yourself, I want to work with financial services clients only. You may say to yourself, I want to work with senior managers only, no new hires. You may say to yourself, I want to work in this country, not here, etc., etc. So knowing what you want ensures that you will you will um, less you are, you are less likely to be in a position where you will not get the things you want. Does that make sense? If you're clear on what you want, it stands to reason you know what you don't want, and therefore you will not be often in positions where you have that difficult negotiation to go through, where you're actually in a situation where you're looking at things you don't want and you're haggling for them and you realize, actually, if I'd really been clear what I want in the first place, I wouldn't be in this position. It's amazing how many training business owners um, take work which they then regret taking. They take any kind of work from anyone, training anything or any clients with any needs and wonder why their rates vary. So upfront, establish what you want and logically what you don't want. Being clear on what you want helps you to avoid things or situations where you're not likely to get them. Number two, why do I want it? Why do you want that thing you want? Why do you want that price? Um, Because you have a track record in this area with these results. So you may realize, I do my best work with these kinds of companies. That's a great reason. Um, This is where I'm likely, therefore, to succeed with this client. But you also may have stronger reasons, stronger whys. You may have a mortgage to pay, and you need to make X amount three days a week, three weeks per calendar month. Or you might say, I have a family holiday to fund this year, so I need to make a minimum of X. Now, you don't have to share these whys, but being really clear on what you want and why you want that thing before you go into negotiation actually strengthens you psychologically because you're less likely to be pushed in the direction which will give give you the things you don't want or take you away from the things you want. Does that make sense? It does. Just think about it. It does. Being crystal clear what you want and why you want that thing makes your position stronger. Now, what do a lot of people not do? They then leave negotiation there and they forget about what the other person wants and they never ask themselves why that person wants it. This is a big mistake. 
So the third thing you've got to do is to ask yourself, what does my client want from this value conversation or negotiation? Let's say they want training or they say they want training. Actually, they don't. What every training business client of yours or mine wants are results. So what are those results? Why do they want these results? So with careful questioning, you might find out that actually they have a new sales strategy this year. Okay, so why do they have that sales strategy? What has worked well or not worked last year that makes them feel they need to do things differently this year? What else do they want? Oh, they want strict cancellation terms. Why do they want strict cancellation terms? It may transpire that a previous training provider let them down. Oh, that's interesting. So what they, what they actually want here is reliability. That's what they're willing to pay for. Not training, but reliability and results. Is there anything else? Yeah. Um, they need this training before June. Okay. Why do they need that training before June? Well, there's a legislative di- deadline coming up and they have to be in a position to do X and Y before that legal deadline. Ah, so they're under pressure. So that changes the framework of your prospective or eventual negotiation. So results, reliability, and delivery as soon as possible, this is what represents value to them. So this changes everything. So value to your client is your ability to deliver on those three things. Results, reliability, and delivery within their time frame. Now, you could find this out indirectly or directly over the phone or in a face-to-face meeting, but the earlier the better, the earlier the better. The earlier you find these things out, the stronger your value-driven conversation or negotiation will be. And we haven't even talked about price yet, okay? Because you cannot put a price on anything until you know what your client wants and the value your client puts on that thing. You cannot sell anything until you know the language your client uses to describe that thing. Knowledge is power. So in negotiation, in discussing price, preparation is power. Is it worth spending time on this? Yes. I would spend hours on front of post-it notes if that's what it takes. I would spend hours gathering research, asking great questions before it ever ever comes to negotiation. Because if you can find out what your client wants, what your client really, really wants, why they want it, that is what value represents to to them. And this is what they want to pay for. Okay? Is this worthwhile doing well? Yes. If you do this properly, you could be looking at twenty dollars to $50,000 recurring revenue annually if you can lock in this client and deliver value through your training business consistently. Positive prior preparation prevents poor professional performance. I said to you today that this episode was brought to you by the letter P, and I wasn't joking. I'll say it again. Positive prior Preparation prevents poor professional performance. So there we have it. There are the three things today. Uh, those are, again, positive, the first P, perspective, the second P, and preparation, the third P. So 
In summary, positive, your negotiation abilities are what you believe they are. You must believe positive things and reaffirm them to yourself repeatedly. Two, perspective. Negotiation is not life or death. It's a game. It's part of a larger value conversation. You're going to win some, you're going to lose some, but the more you do it, just like a game, the better you get. And number three today, preparation. Knowledge is power. You don't need to know everything. You can't know everything. You just need to know what you want, why you want it, what the client or prospect wants, and why they want it. So those three things today, I think that's enough today in today's episode to focus on those so that next week, when we look at the next three things, this will all make sense. So next week, as I said, we'll focus on three more P's, and those P's are, ready? Price, perception, and package. Okay, that's it for today. Thanks for your emails. Thanks for your continued support. Thanks for all your questions and suggestions. And feel free anytime to drop me a line via email to markghaze.com at gmail.com and I'll be very happy to answer those either one-on-one via email or more than likely as part of a future podcast episode. You can check out the podcast as always on iTunes, Spotify and Stitcher and feel free to share this with other training professionals out there. Have a great business week and I look forward to speaking to you next week. Bye-bye. once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Go to trainingbusiness.com and subscribe right now to be notified of great competitions, upcoming VIP episodes, and amazing special offers to help you succeed in your training business. See you next time.